Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Well, the NBA trade deadline for 2022 came and went, and the Magic actually didn't do as much as we all thought they would. You know, uh, other than using a small portion of that traded player exception to take in uh, P- P.J. Dozier and uh, Bull Bull and then Waving uh, Dozier, Michael Carter-Williams, and Etwan Moore, and keeping Bull Bull around, we we really didn't do all that much, uh, you know, other than than this franchise trying to be a meme for for the rest of the world, for the rest of the globe. I don't know, you know, when you're pushing that uh, that fun Photoshop, I guess, of uh, of cash considerations, and then you know, having all that length with Isaac and Bamba and Bull Bull unrealized potential at this point, you know, go, go sign a guy like Taco Fall as the 15th guy at this point. You know, I, I don't know what to, what to say sometimes uh, when it, when it comes to, to decisions that are made and not made. Cause I still don't, I really don't know why a guy like Terrence Ross is still on the team. Gary Harris. I hope we keep him long-term uh, you know, with Ross, obviously he's, he just has not been good enough neither defensively or even offensively shooting in the low 30%. And he spent, he was playing like a guy trying his best not to get traded. And it worked out, I guess, because nobody wanted him for this go around, at least not for between, if you package him and Bamba, I mean, again, Bamba is like a top five blocker, you know, block guy in the league. He can hit threes, you know, between him and Ross, like you, you can't get like even like a top 20 protected first round pick. That's, that's tough. That, that's difficult. So, you know, I come in the front office for not accepting two second round picks um, in that regard, but it's, it's frustrating when you can't move guys that, that should have, that should have been movable either because they, they purposely underachieved or just no, nobody, just people thought maybe we'd wave, you know, Robin Lopez and Gary Harris for nothing. That's, you know, I, I hope the franchise doesn't waive either of them. You know, if you want them, come get them. But, um, you know, this franchise is trying to play nice, I think, because we have an ownership that has such a negative uh, reputation all around the league. Um, you know, I think our front office has been playing nice with, with veterans or just guys in general that, you know, if they want to go and play somewhere else, we'll we'll meet your trade demands or your wave demands. And so, if we play in a, you know nice enough with enough agents and their clients, maybe that'll attract uh, you know the, that big free agent, or that'll put us in the position to trade for for an alpha you know superstars you know top fifteen type talent, top twenty talent. That that's the goal in the end with all these assets that we have, and we'll we'll see. I. I have my doubts with Weltham, uh, but you know you got your that your, that extension. We're we're well in the middle middle of this plan, and I would like to get some answers on when we're definitively going to see uh, Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac on the court because it's hurting not just the team but hurting them going forward. And it's great that they're getting around sixteen seventeen million dollar each this season, but. There's not going to be a, a a good second contract if they don't get on the floor. That that's you know you you end up doing them harm from a career aspect going forward as well. Uh, so I you know they've they've been kind of not just kind of they've been definitively just messing with this fan base's intelligence and patience and it's. I'm surprised so many people are tolerating this as, as as they have at this point, but that's what happens when you're a irrelevant franchise. Purposely trying to be at the bottom of the barrel so you can get like another another big uh, draft pick. But um, you know, I I, I really do want us for this episode. We we focus on um, you know, do we make any moves summer 2022 that that make a dent and kind of say kick off the hey we're we're trying to be good now, you know. You know, we'll take, we'll, you know, we'll either sign some somebody to a huge offer sheet or, or trade for somebody. Or is the focus still 2023? It, it better be 2023, no later than 2023. Because if for some reason, you know, the plan is to push this out f- for at least another two years, that's that's not gonna work. <laughs> it's it's really not gonna work. So, um, there's there's a lot of thoughts uh, that we share in this episode, be it. 
you know, about the trade deadline, what happened, what didn't happen, about guys currently on the roster, about Jamal Mosley, how it's kind of turning into Jacques Vaughn 2.0. Um, I know it's early, potentially, but all the signs are kind of there that this could go really bad. And we could go into a situation again, like during the Rob Hennigan era, where we're, you know, every couple of years we're bringing in a new head coach or we're getting interim head coaches and so forth. So there's there's a lot we're going to go over in this podcast. And, uh, you know, strap in. Hope you enjoy the ride. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jam. Point guard on the 7 6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Kirkaloo for the win. All right, Penny, we have not done uh, two pods in one week in a very long time, so hopefully we're not freaking people out by uh, by doing this. But uh, I put the over-under on Magic Trades uh, this this week at two and a half deals, and uh, we did know, half a deal. Something like that, yeah. I, did, I, I went over on the two and a half, and the Magic went hard under. Uh, yeah, it, it did not go the way I planned on it. Uh, we're recording Saturday night, so this is uh, two days after the trade deadline ended. The, what the Magic did was they traded their with Boston. They traded their 2023 second-round pick, which is top 55 protected. So it likely won't convey unless somehow we're like a championship contender next year. Right. Which isn't impossible, but well, unlikely. Yeah. Uh, to Boston for Bull Bull, P.J. Dozier, cash considerations uh to pay for our medical bills that our team keeps racking up like crazy and boston's 2028 second round pick which is top 45 protected so that could convey but it's 2028 we're in 2022 that's not a big deal so penny uh the way we did we accepted bowl and dozier was we used our tpe from last year's fournier deal so you know we we used up like five million, four million of it, of what could have been as high as seventeen million that we brought in, and we helped Boston get out of the luxury tax. And I don't know why we're helping Boston out like this for a second consecutive year potentially. I know the Fournier thing didn't didn't help them out last time, but uh, we basically didn't use the TPE for much unless you really really love Bull Bull. But I guess Penny, what are you surprised as me that all that's all we did? Is, is, is that's that's the bottom line is I, how surprised are you that we were kind of not very active at the deadline yeah i didn't expect three deals but i certainly expected one of our uh key trade assets to get moved um obviously none of that happened um but now hammond and company get a second crack at a thon maker type i guess it's like uh, when Hammond was with the Bucks, and they had that one photo where it's a baby Giannis Adetokounmpo, a John Henson, and then was it yeah. Ma- was it uh, Miles Sanders? Wait, did I get no? It's Larry not Miles Sanders. Larry Sanders. Yeah. Sorry, Miles Sanders plays for the Eagles, but uh, Larry Sanders, where they're going from three point line to three point line, <laughs> full extension. Yeah. You could literally do that with Bull Bull, who's seven two. Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac. It's a fucking wingspan fever dream in Orlando now. Yeah, but uh, I- I'm very stunned that Terrence Ross and Mo Bamba are here. I was secretly hoping Gary Harris would stick around. Now, depending on where you're reading and who you follow nationally, like if you're John Hollinger, like the, he thinks the Magic should buy out both Gary Harris and Robin Lopez. I don't think either is going to happen or should it but there's no financial incentive for the team at this point no so you're either doing it for uh the betterment of the players and their representatives to put them in a better situation uh or you don't see a future with them and i will talk about that later on i'm sure yeah so in order to for the trade to go through we had to waive two people to make spots for for bull bull and, and dozier which uh you know, we we waived uh, Michael Carter-Williams and Etwan Moore. Michael Carter-Williams, 
if he doesn't show up in winter of 2019, we don't make the playoffs. Like, bottom line, between him uh, yep. coming in when Isaiah Briscoe got hurt out for the season, which is crazy to think about how big of an impact that had, but that's how desperate we were for a competent point guard at that point. Yeah. Um, Combined with, I guess, Kem Birch, like, taking over Mo Bamba's minutes off the bench. Like, we don't make the playoffs without without that. And so, Michael Carter-Williams is forever going to have a small place in my heart for what he did. And in magic history. Well, of course, yeah, in magic place, history. Yeah. Because, I mean, again, we, we do not make the playoffs, yeah. I don't think, without bringing him in. And it sucks for him because, you know, when we brought him in, he was probably like 20 pounds lighter. And then we told him, hey, you're not going to really be a point guard on this team. We want you to be a small forward. He put on all the weight, and he's had injuries like crazy ever since. And I got to think there's a correlation to that. Yeah. Um, with Etwan, it was his second go around with the Magic. He didn't record a, a single minute either this season. So it, it looks like he never existed, basically, with the Magic this, this second go around. Right. Um, you know, he played in the preseason. He sprained his knee. And he's been out ever since with the sprained knee. The, the highlight for Etwan this year has been home building. Yeah, and I guess teaching players floaters because yeah. so, some of our some of our guards have picked up some some floater action from him. So that's that's about as good as that got with him. Um, I, I you know at the time when we signed Etwan, I didn't care for it, so I'm not gonna really miss him. Like, I'm do you sure... think that a team will sign him, Etwan? Yeah. Ooh, will he play a minute in the NBA this year? I could see Phoenix bringing him back, maybe just as like they'll like wave Alfred Payton or something and, and bring in Etwan. But um, no, I I could see Etwan. Like, what is it? The Celtics had had like five open spots. Now they've signed two guys since, like Luke Cornett, and I forget who the other guy was. But Sam Hauser. Yeah, I I could see more like just as a fifteenth guy getting picked up. Now I'll be real surprised if Michael Carter Williams, if he's healthy, um. It doesn't get signed by somebody. Now, out of all the injuries of guys that have been out this whole season between Fultz, well, I think Isaac's had a setback. And until somebody tells me otherwise, I'm going to assume, well, one, Jonathan Isaac's dead to me, so I don't care at this point. But I'm assuming he had a setback in his in, in his rehab. And I'm just assuming the front office is hiding that until they flat out say that didn't happen because they haven't said that at all. Fultz, we know, has been ready to go. He's been ready to go. And... It's you know we're recording this before the Magic likely get destroyed by Phoenix tonight, uh, and then we'll on Monday likely get destroyed in in Denver because it'll be the third game in four nights and yeah. you're in high altitude. So, but um, this after of course you know last night Friday night we got destroyed, destroyed in by Salt Lake City. Well, it, it was close, and then yeah. and then the wheels and then, fell off, and then the, their bigs just destroyed us because Mo Bamba can't okay. box Hassan anybody out. White side, no. And as a bouquet or whatever, but um, yeah, it was uh, yeah that that game was rough. But I don't think either one of them plays a minute in the NBA this season. Really, that's my that's my prediction. I think Michael's injury is is legitimate. Like out of all of the injuries going into the season that I thought would last the longest, like I did not expect Michael back before the All Star break. Yeah. So. You know, I know I saw something from like a couple national people that are like, is, is it, should Michael Carter Williams really still be out? His seems like the most long term legitimate, uh, his injury. But Etwan Moore has like a sprained knee, and he could have probably been playing like in December, probably. Yeah. Um, so it's just weird going into it, knowing that they were probably going to do a move like this and probably wave at least Etwan. Right. It's like. All right, you have to be in Orlando for six months and get paid to do nothing. So. Not, not a bad deal. And for going just to put a bow on the MCW thing, obviously you talked about his importance to to that playoff run, but uh, I think as an organization we had an importance. His career was on the brink. At least his NBA career was on the brink. Yeah, I mean he, um, he was he, he he had done nothing since like Chicago and Dallas, right? So that's Whatever. basically three more years of playing in the NBA that we afforded him and and potentially an opportunity somewhere else next year maybe. I think he's going to make he'll he'll make a roster like somewhere late this season. I think he'll 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 make a team. I, I really do. Um but who knows, we'll see. But I'm gonna miss him. I really am because he's one of our, our good vets. That, that that's the other thing with yeah, you know, we got a couple. We got like a couple Twitter questions that we'll kind of go over throughout this. Um, 
throughout this podcast episode. But, you know, one of the Twitter questions comes from uh, Magic Mark, uh, you know, Twitter at Dan Mark, or I guess it's Dan Marcus, but uh, he just wants us to discuss kind of T. Ross and Harris being, uh, he says the right vets for our young Magic team, but whether so, we think that is yeah. true or not. So he has not heard an episode that we've done. <laughs> well, we've done. yeah, uh, yes, half of them are the right vets for this team. Yeah, in, so, in my opinion, because because now with Michael gone and even Etwan, I think is a better vet than T. Ross. And let, look, I we said it. I've said it before. You like. Our best uh, vets were Michael Carter-Williams, Rolo, and Gary Harris. Those yeah. are like our top three. Right. Etwan, he's okay. Like He's not like a very like loud, like he's not a very vocal person. Um, like a Keon dueling extra light. Extra, extra light. Extra, I think yeah. Keon had, had a much bigger vet. Like a like homeless presence. man's yeah. Keon <laughs> almost, dueling. Almost man's yeah. Keon dueling. Yeah, yeah we'll go with Here's that Here's a Etwan. question, and, and don't lose your train of thought here, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, no question about it. Robin Lopez is a solid vet, right? Yes, and has uh, experiences, numerous experiences across a lot of different playing situations, NBA landscape, etc. What kind of connection do you think Robin Lopez is actually building with the twenty-year-olds on our roster in terms of? Uh, mutual common common interest and engagement you know like bridging that actual gap now surely he has information to share but how much of that is translatable in terms of flat-footed hook shots and cultural references to where anything sticks so not taking away from the fact that clearly he's intelligent and has experience and has uh, information at his disposal no i think well because he said at the start of the season i believe he's still doing it but he's got like all the younger guys doing like book like study projects like but but on the court i get i get you like you know would i hope that mo bamba would have picked up a hook shot by now yes but it it hasn't happened but um i mean in that regard not so much but i mean you we don't know like we're not in the practice we don't know right i from what i've understood from what i've heard like i I think rollo is is an actual valuable vet for this team i really do um whether he's actually teaching stuff to guys like you know in practice or if they're just banging and just going at it or whatnot i don't know that's on the coaching staff too to actually get that from their vets so um i think i think terrence ross is the most cherished vet on the team Sadly. Cherished by who? By the rest of the players. By the young players. Uh, I think Gary Harris is the best vet and most important in terms of both uh, having the the uh, the actual on-court production to have your words carry weight. Yeah, no, of course. No, that's a huge deal, of course. Although, Rolo's like a walking 2010 if we actually play him <laughs> enough minutes and, like, feed him the ball. Right. But, but, but that, I'm saying that, yeah. I, to, in my opinion... Not taking anything away from from Robin Lopez is I think that that bridge gets harder and harder to harder and harder to bridge that gap in terms of age and interest level and everything else to have your words carry uh, requisite weight. That's I mean that that's fair. I uh, yeah I don't I, think yeah. Robin Lopez. I'm say, I, I would say no, I, I don't think you. Robin Lopez carries the same vet presence that like Udonis Haslam does, even though Udonis. Well, is he's 45. been with Miami for right. like 16, 18 years or something. Like he by far is like the longest tenured right. player on any team in the league. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that's not going to happen. That's why, yeah, you know, we're going really far back now. Like I, I would have really liked to have kept Vooch long term, but yeah. you know. I'm glad that Wendell Carter Jr. has been awesome. I'm glad that Franz Wagner has been awesome. I'm <laughs> glad we have another draft pick coming. But you lose a lot of that, I guess, identity, a lot of that, a lot of that just team knowledge, that, that team history. And, like, you do need your fan base to kind of hold on to that. Because right now, Terrence Ross is the longest tenured Magic player on the team. I don't fucking like that. And, you know, yeah. I, like, you had... A, see, a good season and a half in a Magic jersey right now. Like, I'm glad you love living here. I'm glad your family loves living here. You can get a home. You can keep your home here and come back in the off season. But I just don't see a purpose for T. Ross long term on this team. And again, he might be the most lo- you know liked 
amongst his teammates uh, as, as like a, as a as a vet as a you know as a veteran player. But I don't think that makes him the best vet on the team. No. I, I agree. So one doesn't correlate with the other in my mind. But um, man, uh, so. You know, MCW and Etwan got waived, uh, and then PJ Dozier actually got waived too because he's he's out for the season. He's going to be a free agent this summer, right? So I think he has a torn ACL, so he he would have fit in nicely with this team, mm-hmm. uh, injury wise. But because we can't get a look at him, they just waived him. And I potentially would have liked to have maybe kept him another year to to get a good look at him. But you know, now we have an open roster spot. You know, the Magic have 14 players, and then the two two way guys still in uh, in Brasdakis and Admiral Schofield. So we have an open roster spot. Um, before we get, well, yeah, let's do this. So, do you think the Magic are one going to use that fifth? 15th roster spot to sign someone from the G League, be it our G League team or someone else's G League team, because I think it's it's between Giannis Tima, uh, Hassani Gravit, Devin Kennedy, and I'm also throwing Taco Fall, who has a G League contract with Cleveland, because <laughs> if you've got Bol Bol and Bamba, you might as well get Taco Fall and just make it a full meme squad. Yeah, why not? Um, the answer is, yeah, they'll definitely use it. The problem is that it's about to be Iggy's time to shine as the calendar gets over to March and, and into April, especially if, uh, God willing, Markel Fultz plays a minute and if somehow Jonathan Isaac plays again. Yeah. That rotating uh, 15th roster spot, um, the cycle of 10-day guys will be very important in terms of securing the tank for the rest of the year, too. Yeah, and... Can we talk about how weird it was last night that Suggs has, like, his Achilles is bothering him and we're still forcing him to play, and it looked like it, it was causing him noticeable discomfort? The Portland game, I, I would have to refer to the box score for the total amount of minutes that he played, but from basically minute one in that game, it was very apparent that he was laboring. Yeah, he hurt and himself on, like, the second, like first or second so play So why I don't understand why he was out there for as long as he was in that game, and then again... With all of the other uh, overprotective and, and cautionary measures going on, uh, why you would even do anything to tempt the fate of the Achilles tendon is beyond me. Because like he's already made the Rising Stars game. Like unless he's worried about not making like all rookie second team, which even if he stays healthy, he may not make anyway or whatever. Like I, you know, I, I just don't see a like rest them like till the All Star break. Like it's coming up. It's 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 in a week. You know, it's it, it's it's literally right around the corner. Yeah. Like there's no, you know. It's a tanking opportunity. Take it. Take the tanking opportunity if you're going to do that. <laughs> we, we can't even do that right. And it's like, we're going to sit Markel Foltz two months longer than he needs to be sitting. And you know, we're, we're going to get into a situation where you know, Foltz, Foltz's contract for 2023-2024 isn't guaranteed. Like it, It's only like $2 million of it's guaranteed. So technically after next year... Magic could waive him if they really wanted to. So give the guy, give the kid a chance to actually show what he can do, because this guy's been ready. Like there's no doubt he's been ready to come back. And again, Waltman has been lying. Where <laughs> they Call said, it like you see it. Well, but like oh, yeah. honestly, like they did the radio interviews. What the start of the uh, calendar year in January? Like we're in mid February now. Back in early January, they were talking about how. You know, Isaac and Fultz were like a few weeks away. Like they literally said that. One of them said that. Yeah. And it's been a month and a half now. That's longer than a few weeks. So you got to communicate to your fan base because everybody's getting antsy. Everybody's getting paranoid looking at the injury report every day. I'm looking at it way more than I've ever looked at it in my life. Yeah. The injury report, and it's it's very frustrating. I, I'll I'll leave it at that. But um. I think it's going to be Giannis Tima that that actually gets the 15th roster spot. I don't think he would have si- signed with Lakeland, and he's actually played pretty well for them. Like I have athleticism concerns, but as like a 15 guy, that you're if you're tanking, that's not a bad signing either. Like <laughs> I know he's 29 years old, so you're not going to give him a two-way spot, or you better not give him a two-way spot. Um, get a good look at him because he can actually hit threes, and there's some some deceptive kind of athleticism that. 
we'll see if he's going to get absolutely destroyed playing NBA minutes or not. Like it, it's worth like an opportunity to take a look at, but um, Lakeland's in Cairo, Egypt right now for this right. intercontinental cup. Cause they won the G league championship and they got killed by Flamingo uh, Friday night and they're playing in like the, whatever the runner up game or yeah, the runner up yeah. game. Uh, Chance at a podium. Sunday. Yeah. Riding some camels first though. Yeah, no, Devin Kennedy posted a, yeah. a photo on, on Twitter. So at least they're having fun with the trip, I guess. But after that trip, basically when the Magic get back from their road trip, like Tuesday, because they'll host Atlanta yeah. here Wednesday, I expect one of those G Lakeland guys to sign for the 15th spot. Can but, we can we just very briefly touch on the human element of that for the the guys on the roster that are not upper echelon who are not playing European basketball um, to get an opportunity to go to Egypt to play professional basketball against high-level competition, that's pretty fucking cool. That's really awesome. I right. wish our big men were better because <laughs> they were they were they were getting killed yeah. and like our because we don't we don't have Stan Heath. We have the Joe Bear guy as the head coach, whatever. And we kind of looked underprepared for FIBA basketball. I'll, yeah. I'll just kind of leave it at that. But at least they're having fun. At least it's an experience. Like it's cool. I. It goes back to back in like the mid '90s when like the NBA champion would go up against the Euroleague champion, and obviously like when it's the Bulls with Michael Jordan going up against like Olympiacos, like they're gonna destroy Olympiacos by like 30 points. That's expected back then. But I'd like to see that game come back now. Yeah. To open up like in like as a preseason game maybe or something or around that time when when both campaigns are, are about to get going. Whether that's you know I don't know August or, or whatnot. If you do it even earlier than that, but um. That'd be cool to see. I would like that to. Uh, I'd like to see that. All right. So uh, another Twitter question uh, at just gliding. So we get a question from Glide. Uh, so the question is: Do you think we should have taken on some longer term money to get draft capital for any of the potential trade pieces we had? It's not like we will use our cap space. Dot 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 dot. Yeah. Um, I mean, the answer. I mean, with if you look. At, the, at our last episode with the trade scenarios, like none of us really, neither of us picked a trade that involved us taking on salary that lasted longer than like another two years. It was basically like we take it for another year so it comes off the books in 2023. Right. So if you're thinking like money going into 2024 and beyond, I would have said no in that instance because I honestly thought that if you combined Ross and Bamba and you would have taken back like a, you know, money that, that goes that goes through into next season to 2023 that you could have gotten like a top 20 protected first round pick. Like yeah. I really think you could have gotten that and that Gary Harris, I, who I did not want to trade and same thing with Robin Lopez. I actually didn't want, like, I didn't think anyone would trade him. That's why that rumor where the magic were like, we'll trade yeah. you Robin Lopez for a first round pick. It's like, that's the biggest troll info <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like that was never going to happen. But with Gary Harris, I would like to keep Gary long term. I would. He's 27 years old. I'm happy giving him Terrence Ross's contract. I'm not giving him more than $12, $13 million per year. But Gary deserves more than that, most likely, with how good he is at both ends of the floor. So, you know. I, I agree with you. I think, look, you, you don't, we're not going to use our cap space for anything meaningful this season. Or you mean the summer? The summer, yeah. So, uh, but that being said... How much more draft capital do we need in terms of, look, the, if we don't hit in the draft this year, uh, we're in trouble. Yeah, and well, so the Magic right now have the second worst record in the league. They're like a half game off of Detroit right now who has the worst record in the league. Yeah. So, look, the Magic have not moved up in a draft lottery in 14 draft lotteries since 1994. That's a very, very long time. And people will say, well, the Magic are due. But that's not how the lottery works, especially when the formula has been tweaked. Um, but that will lead to another question right now, I guess. So at Yadi Elp, so Yadi sent a question where, and we'll go over this now because I want to get kind of, because you, you're very pessimistic about the Magic making a move with cap space this summer. I do want to talk it out a little bit where the question from from Yachty is if an established star were to be available in the summer, should the Magic trade for him or are we still a summer away from bringing that vet star to take this team to the promised land? And I'm going to go over a few of them right now because that was kind of the inspiration for what I wanted to get into. But, you know, my, my answer is it depends and we'll see who you talk because about here. 
there's basically four guys this summer that you can send a huge offer sheet to that are some sort of free agent, be it restrict. Most of these are all like restricted, basically. But you got Miles Bridges from Charlotte, you know, six six forward. He turns twenty four this summer. Yeah, you're gonna have to give him the max to probably pry him out of Charlotte. Um, so I, that's something that. He, he was on pace to win most improved player. Now, he's fallen off a little bit, but he's still averaging like 19.8, per, you know, 19.8 points per game. Last season, he shot 40% from three. I think he's in the lower 30s because his volume got, has gone up a lot, but he can shoot threes on top of his amazing two-way athleticism. And then you got Anthony Simons, our local boy. Yeah. He's named after Penny Hardaway. Uh you know this he listed as 63 i think he's like the same height as cole like 61 something but right. he turns 23 this summer he's in portland they just traded away cj mccullum because anthony simons is freaking amazing and he could probably play well alongside damian lillard if that's the plan but you know simons is going to go from making under 2 million dollars per season to maybe 20 plus right um whether that's with portland or not that depends and then i got two more i got jalen brunson who he's been great. He's six one. He's he's twenty five years old now with Dallas. He's been a great partner with Luca. I know they just traded for uh, oh gosh, who did they just trade for? Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie from Washington. Some people say that's insurance for if they can't bring Brunson back. Who knows? Maybe Dallas is like we'll be fine getting rid of Brunson and bring in somebody else to put alongside Luca. Who knows? But. Hard to bring Brunt to think about bring, bringing Jalen Brunson here when it, all it does is make me think about Rick Brunson. That's very <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I've never thought of Rick Brunson in like twenty years. It feels like, like but weird magic killer Rick Brunson. But and then my fourth one because it's it, it's Robert Sarver and they screwed they potentially screwed this up earlier. But then again, Bismack Biombo has been putting up like 2020s for them here and there. And JaVale McGee's look good, but Deandre Aiden is 24 years old this summer. He's a free agent. Do the magic send, would you send an off a huge offer sheet to one of those four guys? Cause the last time we sent a huge offer sheet was like Paul Millsap in the Rob Hennigan era. That's like the last time we did that. Right. Uh, do any of those interest you? Because, I don't think any of those four are stars. No. Like, you can't, like, no. if you're sending out an offer sheet, you have to get them, but then you have to be able to trade for, like, another, like, for the alpha guy. Yeah. That's the thing. And are you willing to pay these guys $25, $35 million per season? A couple of these I actually probably would because the cap's going up, the salary cap's up. Like, we've gonna, we're going to have somewhere around, like, $30, $40 million of salary cap space this summer right depending on you know roster moves that we make here and there so it's possible that you can do that and then you can still trade because i'm going to talk about it now a trade for an alpha that's under contract at the moment you'll be under the you'll you'll obviously be over the cap but you'll be potentially under the luxury tax still of of that crop of of those four guys the the best player with the highest upside is anthony simons to to me and I think best case scenario is he's a number two. So do you think that he can be a number one? No, not not right now. Not and also, I, like, I, I don't think he's going anywhere either. I'll say that. I don't. Portland's weird right now, man. I'm not going to assume anything with Portland, but I don't think he's going anywhere. To, to I'll just really quickly to wrap up my viewpoint on that. I don't think any of those four guys moves the needle. Um, also, if you bring in Aiton, that means presumably you're sending Wendell Carter out for something else. I don't think you play. Do you play them together? I mean, Wendell can do it. He's six ten. You could. You could play them together. Here's the thing. That he's maximized. not the. He's not the problem with our lineup. It's the guy that's playing center next to him, I, Mo Bamba. I, we agree on that. And I, they didn't do it last night, and I don't know why they're not doing this. But Chumo Kiki's not starting, and he needs to be starting instead of Mo Bamba because. There's not much trade value to salvage left of Mo Bamba. Like, I, I highly doubt, because he's going to be a free agent th- this summer, most likely. Like, you're going to offer him the qualifying offer, and but you're not going to get much sign-and-trade value there with him, I don't think. Like, if you, you're either keeping him for another year, or you're letting him walk. That's that's my viewpoint with Mo Bamba. Yeah. But, um, so out of those four, actually, I think the potentially best one is Miles Bridges, actually. And he actually fills a need and fits what the Magic need, depending on how you look at the other guys. Because, let's be honest, 
Obviously, our viewpoints on Jalen Suggs aren't super positive right now, but they're not, you know, well, Tim are not giving up on him anytime soon, I don't think. Yeah. Franz, we know, is great. Franz ain't going anywhere at the moment. So then you got to look at, all right, is, do they, are, are they still in love with, with both uh, Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony? If they are, there's no reason to go for a Simons or a Brunson. Especially if you plan on keep, which I don't. I like keeping Cole Anthony as a guy, as like the first guy off the bench. Yeah, long term. Like I, that's how much I love Cole Anthony. I don't think he should start, or if he starts, I'd like to see him play next to uh, Fultz for a little bit to see if that can actually work. But they're not going to do that because they drafted Suggs. So um, that's why, like, we have to see Fultz and Isaac play. Like we have to because we need to evaluate if we're even going to send like a huge offer sheet this summer because. I mean, I'm big on Miles Bridges. I really am. He's a really good two-way player. Um, I'll go over a couple of trade candidates here in a second now, too, who could potentially be more alpha-type guys. Um, but you know, one of those guys that that's that's a trade that I have as a trade candidate, John Collins. Now he's not an alpha either. No. But between Bridges and Collins, they would fill kind of that that four-role need basically. And then you got to decide with Jonathan Isaac, like, is he really your guy? Is he like the best player you got right now? Because I don't think he's gonna hit the. He's gonna see the floor this season at this rate. Like I, from the footage we've seen, like I don't, I don't think he's gonna make it on the court in March or April. But and even like, why would you even play him in April? Well, because we need because he hasn't but played I'm, in forever. We, I'm saying yeah. from their perspective, uh, why do you run him out there for five games at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, because he's gonna he's yeah. gonna look terrible most likely, and yeah. he's gonna have because Russ kick play, plays a factor at some point. Like I don't care how great of an athlete you are, like if you're not getting like first team minutes on an actual NBA floor during a game, like there's nothing like real game. I mean, no, you, you can from any level of experience. You can simulate playing. as much as you want. If yeah. it's not the real thing, it doesn't mean jack shit. So it doesn't. Yeah. So we we're gonna have these guys that, set up to fail basically yeah, yeah. if we don't get them on the court. If they're healthy, you got to get them on the court because you're setting them up for failure and you're setting up the team up for failure because we don't know what we have. And on top of that, you can't trade any of these guys. No. If you don't get him on the floor, you can't trade Isaac for, for anything. For pennies on the dollar. Like you, you cannot trade Isaac for anything right now. At least with Fultz, like we've seen, you know, he's been out 13 months. It's a lot recent than over over you know a year and a half with yeah. Isaac. You know, so it's it's frustrating. It really is. And um, man, so do you think John Collins is better than than Bridges? Who do you rate higher? Ooh. I think I rate Bridges higher from slight potential, but both of them can shoot threes really well. Collins is shooting threes well this season. He's shooting like 40% from three. I know people give him shit about how like Jonathan Isaac owns him, but they haven't faced each other in two years. Like Collins is way, way better since then. Yeah. And again, they fill they potentially fill a need if Isaac isn't the guy, which if I could trade Isaac today, I'd do it to get something, but that's not going to happen, and that's not how the front office sees him or ownership. Ownership's not giving up their golden boy right now. <laughs> I I have Collins rated higher than Bridges, and I think uh, and it, another uh, checkbox in the positive column is they just had that Eastern Conference Finals run last year too. Which, I mean, we can we can, you know what? Let's talk about these East guys real quick. These East teams right now, because I do want to also look at kind of the bigger picture of like which teams are going to stick around and be like good or better in the coming years because this is all this is all a timing thing for you know from from a magic perspective too it's like are we going to really actually be able to compete for like a top four spot if we're really going for it or is there going to be so much competition that it's going to be really difficult because i mean looking at the east miami's first in the east somehow and i i still think that they're going to get exposed in the playoffs when the time comes but they're first in the east but they get injured all the time there is there there's let's say this they don't a have short a, window. a short window for sure the best players are old and have a lot of miles there's not a lot of depth there uh at least at the moment in my opinion yeah i i'm with you and fuck miami but um so second is cleveland right now cleveland's gonna be good for a long time we don't have to expound more on that yeah chicago that window gets interesting we have their pick you know next year 2023 
their first round pick. They're probably going to be really good, so that's going to probably be in the twenties. But I'm not sold on Chicago because was it Levine's a free agent this summer, right? So or actually, is it next summer? Anyway, but um, I'm sold on Chicago, but I'm not sold on Billy Donovan if that's possible as their head coach. But I, I mean, because DeRozan, he's he's going to start slowing down soon. But they've got that. They've got youth. They got the Sunmu. They got uh, they got uh, Pat Patrick Williams, who's out for the right. season most likely. So they got a good mix of like veterans and youth. I think they'll be they'll they'll still be good. Maybe maybe they'll be mid tier. Who knows? I but, don't think they're a path blocker for for contention if we get uh, our shit together. Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they're gonna be in. They're there. They're yeah. there. Even if Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton somehow fall off, like. They got they got the the who I think is the best player in the NBA in my mind. People can disagree with that. Philly, I think Daryl Morey signed the Sixers' <laughs> death sentence. I did because I I just don't think you can trust James Harden. And as long as Embiid is healthy, they're in the way. But if it's just Embiid though, like we, I mean, even those Aaron Gordon teams could beat Philly at times. You know, it just it depended on 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 the situation a little bit there. But I. I'll give you Embiid, but I mean he's he's racking up mileage mileage quick having to carry that team so much. Toronto is always good because of Nick Nurse and Masai, so I'm not I'm never going to count them out, even if no matter how you look at like Siakam or or Fred Van Vliet, but yeah. um, you know Scotty Barnes is good. Scott is like there's no denying that they got guys like Ananobi, like they'll be good. Boston, as long as they got Tatum and Brown, they'll they'll be there, I guess. But. And Derek White too. Which was a very good pickup for them. I yeah. thought that was a damn good trade, yep. Derek White. Brooklyn, who knows? They got Ben Simmons now, so they got youth on their side. They got Durant on their side. We'll assume they're just gonna willfully use, like throw money at at, the, at any problems they have, and they'll be in it. Charlotte, Charlotte's in a dive. Charlotte's ninth ninth right now in the East. They've lost like six in a row, and Gordon Hayward's out. And does Borrego lose his job if they don't make the playoffs this year? God, I, I hope not. I I can see it just because Jordan's gonna get impatient. Yeah, and that's why I think there's an opportunity to steal Miles Bridges away. If if that's if that's the guy you want to go get, because if you get him, then you can go and try and trade for a guy like uh, I don't know, well, like Beal, like Donovan Mitchell. Like we'll we'll go over that now here after I get through these standings. Atlanta who we're talking about is 10th right now. They're 26 and 29 in the East. I just don't think Trey Young's a leader for the, like he's last, damn good. Last year seemed like lightning in a bottle it, after the it, coaching change. Yeah. And uh, do you remember, God, was it 10 years ago now? The Jeff Hornacek, uh, Hornacek, Hornacek yeah. thing, uh, Suns team that completely overachieved. They didn't make the playoffs, but they set expectations so high after that that they didn't live up to, yeah. and then nosedived afterwards. I, I see that as the future for Atlanta, personally. I, I had Atlanta as frauds coming into the season, and it, that one I got right. I got Miami wrong, but I got Atlanta right so far. Um, and John Collins is a guy that he's not happy. He, w- he wasn't happy when they were doing well earlier this season, you know. but he's not happy playing next to Trey Young, and that's like a red flag for me in my eyes. And and then you look towards the bottom, the Wizards, they did a crazy trade. They got rid of bad money with Dinwiddie and especially Davis Bertans, and they got a big, bad, you know, a worse contract than Porzingis back. But I don't know what's going to happen with them, but Wes Unsell Jr. has been coaching the hell out of them. Kyle Kuzma's like a triple-double beast now all the time. Um, but I don't think they're a threat to the Magic right now. No. Um, Knicks, I don't consider them a the threat because they can't get their shit together ever, the Knicks. Pacers... <laughs> They got Halliburton, but I don't know what they're trying to do right now. So I, I don't know. They're like a mystery to me right now with Indiana. I don't know if they're tanking or what. Um, I, I think that they have a bounce back year next year with more health. Carlisle, good coach. Carlisle coaches the hell out of a roster. So they're, I don't think they're blocking a, a championship contender if the Magic put one together overnight. But they'll, they'll be better next year. And then, uh, you know, you got us. And then you got Detroit. where I like We're, Dwayne Casey. They got... Man. The same problems we have with youth, but uh, are the same good and bad with with youth. So it's tough to say. Um, no, no concerns there for me. Not right. Yeah, think. you're not. I mean, because like Kate Cunningham looks good. Killian Hayes is starting to figure it out. 
Like they got good supporting pieces like Bay and Stewart and and all that. They'll be better off if they trade Jeremy Grant, but he doesn't want to leave for some reason. He just does not, he he likes getting his touches, but he doesn't want to be on a winning team, which is weird. So, but I, I guess I won't worry about them. But I mean, the point is going through all those teams. What is it like five, maybe if that four that are like future long term threats to to the Magic going into next se- like the next two seasons, I yeah. guess. Because what is it? I mean, I'll say Miami, Cleveland. Milwaukee, I'll skip Chicago for now. You say Philly, I say no, so I'll leave them in there. Toronto, Boston, that's about it, honestly, for me. Um, Brooklyn, and I think if you're yeah, looking like five six, so yeah, uh, if you're looking two years out, I don't know how how if Miami sticks around, no, because like, so, they got the agency, so it's like it's really yeah. five teams basically. So, so in my opinion, and you can you can uh, work through your list and and give us your plan, but. Uh, I think the best pathway for the Magic this this offseason mm-hmm. is, number one, get lucky in the draft. You're still trying to draft your, your franchise changer, right? Yeah. Number two, don't do anything to tie up cap space. Let's bring Gary Harris back on an oversized one-year deal. He earned it. If yeah. he wants to stay and cash a big check, he yeah. can. he earned it. He can do it again. And you play for the summer after that. You get another decent draft pick. Maybe something happens with the Bulls pick. Maybe you you move some assets and get something else. You play the free agency game that summer, and then you start looking to really contend. So the guys the Magic could trade for basically goes Bradley Beal, who turns 29 this summer. He's on a $37 million player option. He actually might might get out of that and to sign a bigger contract. You know, I, I don't because he's out for the season though with that bad wrist. So I'm curious to see if the Wizards actually pull the trigger and offer him that max extension. I, I'll be very curious. You got John Collins, who's 24. He's making 20 some million. He's got a 26.5 million dollar player option after the or for the 2025-2026 season. So he's locked up for a few years. Donovan Mitchell, who's 25. I for some reason thought he was a little older, but Donovan Mitchell's 25. He has a $37 million 2025-2026 player option, so he's locked up for a few more years. Then you have Rudy Gobert, who turns 30 this summer. He is locked up for a few years and has a $46.6 million 2025-2026 player option. So the same. So a lot of these guys have player options in a, in a few years. But I kind of view... I, I'm curious... The re- I'm looking at Terrence Ross and why he's still on the team, and he's basically the biggest contract the Magic have of somebody that they would definitively trade away, is how I view it. Um, and I'm wondering now because I don't think they're gonna trade Jonathan Isaac, and I don't, I don't, I hope they don't want to trade away Fultz. But yeah. um, I'm looking at it. Th- that's my only hope is that maybe the the magic do this where they they try to sign miles bridges and then they go after a guy like donovan mitchell for a sign and trade somehow but i don't think utah's going to give him up they're going to give up rudy gobert first so then it's like well would you rather have rudy gobert over wendell carter jr and some cap space i guess we'll go over that right is gobert better than wendell now absolutely but you know, do again, you want Gobert at that number and into his thirties? When he's thirty-four or whatever, do you yeah. want be paying him almost forty-seven million dollars almost and, when he's and thirty-four? The answer unequivocally is most likely no. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a no on Gobert. Um, I know part of it too. It kind of it kind of hurts my heart when people say he's a better defender than Dwight Howard was, which is the biggest horseshit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Um, if you're comparing prime Dwight to prime Rudy Gobert defensively, it's not even close. That being said, R- Rudy Gobert is the best defensive center in the NBA today. No, he is. No, there's no doubt about yeah. it. He is for sure. But I mean, he still gets exposed in playoff series. You know, some well, of that's you, not his I mean, fault. But you, if you're working behind Joe Ingles and team, like, come on. He, yeah, no, he needs he needs a lot more help with his with his wing defense. Yeah. But like Dwight made it work with fucking Jameer and Hito wasn't the best defender after like his first two three seasons yeah. with us. Although, could you imagine uh, Isaac and Franz and Gobert defensively? That'd be something. Um, Fultz isn't terrible either. No, Fultz is fine. Um, 
Yeah, I, I just wouldn't do it. Um, I, it's it's way too much money for a guy like Gobert. It's too much risk, and again, does even having a, a stalwart defensive center move the needle for the team as it's presently constructed? The answer, in my opinion, is not necessarily. Because then we might end up just being stuck like Utah is now, where it's like Mitchell's really good, and he's he is an alpha guy. He is. But... For some reason, it has not. You know, this is Utah's last chance. If it does not work for them in the playoffs, right. if they don't get to like a finals. Like they're gonna, they're Gobert is probably gone. I doubt it's gonna be Mitchell just because he's younger and ownership's gonna definitely want to hold on to him more than Gobert. That's that's how I view that. But um, my plan would be honestly, you send. You send the the big you send. Do I give a match? Yeah, I have to make give a match. You send a max offer sheet to Miles Bridges. That's where I'm at for the summer. Most likely Charlotte matches, but at least you're pushing him to do that. And the Magic may not be the only team that offers it, but there's very few teams that can offer up an offer sheet like that. I think it's like us, San Antonio, and like a few others. So, yeah. um, but the problem is, is we suck, and that's why it's most likely going to go your way where. We're going to try and hopefully win next season, show that we've got good youth around us, and then make our push somehow, either via trade or via free agency in 2023, to become a contender. But it's the same thing that Rob Hennigan tried to do. And I, you know, people, you know, you can say the Magic are in a better position now than then, which is likely true. Um, from an asset perspective, from a youth talent perspective, but one one wrong move, and I mean, i.e., Serge Ibaka trade and trying to make that leap from full on tank to progression. Yeah, and you, you got to get it right. Right. Yeah. Here's here's one name just real quickly. What, what do you think about Julius Randall? Do you do anything there? I'm not a Randall guy. All right. Are you? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I out of the. Free out of the guys that were free agents that I mentioned, like Miles Bridges is the only one I like. I love Anthony Simons, but like I don't, I don't need you or Brunson when I have, you know, when when I'm committed to Suggs at the moment, and then I have Fultz and Cole. Like I, I don't need you at the moment. Like it's great that you're 20 point per game scores, but Cole was doing that too early this season. He was, um, and I need, we need like a shooting guard slash small forward scoring stud. And that's basically Beal or Mitchell in that regard. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at with that. Um, and then, let's see. We have one more question we'll go over before. I do want to briefly talk about Jamal Mosley a little bit because his coaching is killing us right now. But um, And this is a two-part question, but uh, twi- uh, it's a Twitter question from at Holiday31657. Uh, two questions. Uh, who are you taking if the Magic get the number one pick? Barry Smith, Chet Holmgren, or Paolo Banquero? Uh, well, it's funny that anyone would ask our opinion about draft prospects after her. It's still early. And also, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm honored that you would ask yeah. us, but we have the, you know. Yeah, we're, th- we're coming off the Franz debacle. Yeah. So. We, are, we might be right with Suggs. I hope we're wrong, but we'll see. It's, uh, it's very early. Of those three, yeah. I think that the Magic would take Paolo. I have concerns that he it's another one of those guys, right? That maybe has a higher floor versus a lower ceiling. Yeah. However, my concern with him is that I get visions of Jabari Parker in terms of making the leap into the NBA. I, I have optical concerns like most people do with Chet Holmgren. Yeah. So, cause we, I mean, cause look, I mean, we've got bad history right now with skinny guys. We'd be at Isaac's chicken legs, yeah. Mo Bamba being skinny. We just brought in Bull Bull now, who I'm I'm worried about him. And yeah. we just talked about look, you're basically the way the game is going, right? What if what if Holmgren proje- projects into Kristaps Porzingis, who's basically unplayable most of the time? I mean, you got to yeah. hit to be. Uh, a worthwhile center who can stay on the floor for games that matter. You've got to do it on the defensive end. Uh, what's Holmgren going to do with Joel Embiid? Oh, God. Right? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. Can he stroke the three ball? Maybe. Maybe. But... Can Mo Bamba? Sometimes. Does yeah. that help us? Not that much. No. So, I have no interest there, regardless of what kind of unicorn skills he has. 
My concern, I do have concerns about uh, Paolo Banquero, but I think that would still be the pick that I would make and that the team would make of those three. What do you say? So I think it'd be Jabari Smith and actually... With Jabari, his best supporting, uh, his best support is actually Evan Mobley. With how good and right. they, they, they're not, they, they, they have similarities, but there's obviously differences with them. But my thing with, I didn't like Evan Mobley going into the draft because I just thought he was too skinny, and he filled. I mean, he got strong really quick in the off season because he he struggled in summer league. One of those games was against the Magic. You know, Mobley struggled, but then training camp came around and like he put on like strength quick and. He does enough great stuff that's transferred really well in the NBA from college. And I see a lot of that with Jabari, except Jabari is probably even a better shooter than him. And so I would take Jabari Smith in that regard. Uh, and 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 Because with him, I think you could play him next to Wendell. I don't know what you're doing with Isaac at that point. Again, I consider Isaac dead till I see him on the court. Um, and then you got Franz Wagner at, at small forward. Yeah. That's, the, you know, the, Franz... Thankfully, is a lot mobile than you and I saw him to be in college, and he's fitting into that kind of hito role where he's he's yeah. a small forward and he can. That's that's one of the best things that has transpired this season is that you can plug him in. Forget about positionless basketball. Uh, we we needed a three because of the log jam, presumably in the front court. Yeah, and he for sure can play in, three. Yeah, for sure. Um. So that's so I I think it actually be Jabari now, the Magic have stayed consistent with basically picking whatever their stats analytical program has has told them, um, and the Magic had a monopoly on that till la, till last year. I don't know if any other NBA teams are using it this season, but the Magic had like a mono, literally had a monopoly on that. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if we hear anybody any other teams having used that system that stat system, but. Um. Yeah, I think it's Jabari. Now, there's the uh, the second part. Or the second uh, question from the tweet is: Assuming the three above plus Ivy are gone, who are you taking if the Magic pick number five? And my answer would be: I would actually trade the pick away at that point. Like right now, I'm at the point where if I can't get Jabari Smith, I would strongly think about using that to go get a guy like Donovan Mitchell or Bradley Beal. I would, if if, if that pick stays top five, but it's not number one. I would pull the trigger now and say, especially if Utah is rebuilding for sure, and the Wizards seem to be rebuilding, but um, I would use the number five as a trade chip. I would not keep it at that point. I, I agree with you that, again, we're trying to draft a cornerstone of the franchise this season. Yeah. And if that person's not available, then you kick the can down the road in whatever way that you can. Uh, to answer the question, uh, I would draft Johnny Davis from Wisconsin just because it'd be fucking funny. It would be to have had a Johnny Davis head coach, and then you have a Johnny Davis player. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with yeah. you on that, and he's he's good. Yeah. He is. Is he gonna light the world on fire? I don't know, but I I'm not gonna fret as much about this draft as it did last summer because it clearly didn't work out. Because Franz Franz shut me the hell up, but. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that. So we had some really, really good Twitter questions. I, I really do appreciate those uh, on short notice. But the last thing I do want to discuss is just kind of Jamal Mosley and how I personally think he's like a worse coach than guys like Wes Unsell Jr., Willie Green, and even Ime Udoka. And all these guys are new this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mosley's been on NBA bench for 14 years, 14 seasons coming into this year, I think. And... It's very apparent that there's still a lot of mistakes being made. Cause, and I'm worried that like his staff isn't helping him either. Like The staff seems to be almost as inexperienced as him in some instances. Um, like Nate Tibbetts, I mean, they all have experience, but it doesn't seem like it at times. And then, you know, we listen to a lot of podcasts. National media perception of Mobley just seems to point out how just sloppy the Magic play, how undisciplined we are, just how mistake-filled the Magic are with when they're on the court and I think that's had a large negative impact on guys like Chumo Kiki and RJ Hampton who under Steve Clifford played really really well when it was kind of when they were a structured environment a structured environment basically like guys like Franz Wagner have been fine 
Like they've been able to be creative enough to where it doesn't matter. But you know, until recently, it and some of this because Chuma missed training camp in the preseason, and he, you know, it, it took him a while to ramp up. But yeah, Chuma finally figured out his own way to get touches. But I mean, there's games where he'll go entire halves where he only gets like one shot up because he's not getting the ball. Yeah, he has to literally cut and and just move like crazy just to get his hands on the ball. With R.J. Hampton and Suggs, I'll throw him in. I don't think they're just being played in the right position. And I get it. We're tanking. Wait, like, let's be clear here. No coach is winning with this roster as it's presently constructed and with who's been cleared to play, right? Uh, sure, man. I don't know, man. There's been some games that we've lost that... I, I, a couple more wins yeah, here and there, but right. not. we're not Nothing talking crazy. about a winning, ro- a winning team. We're not right? at 20 wins right now. Okay, I, I, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I, I agree completely. And look, for, from day one with that goddamn bell, we knew what we were in for. And you talk about uh, there's going to be burnout no matter no matter what, right? Like a Steve Clifford run team is running the team like a professional basketball organization. Yeah, Jamal Mosley is running the team like a college program. I was going to say AAU program. <laughs> I was going to say right? AAU. And the problem with that. But there's there's pros and cons with both, right? And oftentimes organizations will flip flop if they want a, a stern dictator or a player's coach, and there's nothing wrong with that inherently, right? But the rah rah shit is going to burn get out super thin, and in my opinion, it's getting there. He is uh, buoyed by the fact that our young guys are actually gym rats who love the game and want to get better and are playing through this type of uh, constant negativity and the losses um, and have kind of held each other accountable and pushed for progress and growth amongst each other. Versus, look, the, the problem is... It's a very supportive bunch. Here's my, here's my biggest issue. And mm-hmm. we, you, know, you, you pick up a lot of things oftentimes when Coach is standing in front of the broadcasters and their microphones. Why is he consistently yelling at them to put their hands up when they're professional basketball players in the NBA and not six-year-olds touching their penises at the YMCA. And, I mean, yeah. you you yell at people that need a reminder. Yeah, You don't need to, to talk about hands up on defense for the entire possession for 48 minutes mm. when you have professional basketball players. And again, the fucking bell. Yeah. It's... That's, that's where I'm coming from. And uh, so, yeah, you're, you're right about our, our, our youth because, like, I'm not in the locker room. I haven't been in the locker room in over five years. But, you know, I trust Philip Rossman Reich when he says that this bunch is much more engaged than, like, the Jacques, Jacques Bon Rob Hennigan bunch was as far as just they support each other. Like, you have guys like Cole Anthony, like, even RJ Hampton, like, Fultz. They all are very supportive of each other. They They put in a lot of work. Like, they... I, I don't doubt anyone's work ethic out of any of those youth guys except Mo Bamba, basically. Because Mo Bamba's problem, and people like to forget this, but Mo Bamba has a, had like an oversleeping problem sometimes where there's one or two games that he missed due to suspension. Actually, it was one game. It was in Dallas because he overslept and missed, you know, missed practice or whatnot. But um, you've seen it with Clifford. You've seen it with Mosley now. Mo Bamba does not have a long-term future in Orlando, but uh, I went past the point here. But um, these guys are very supportive of each other. But it, it, you're right; it's it gets to a point where if they're not believing in the coaching staff or in the head coach, that raw raw act it's it's gonna wear out really thin. And it, it got really close uh, this past weekend where we got obliterated at home against Memphis and Boston. And it's very concerning that. Look, I get the stadiums are empty or there's like, you know, 10,000 Boston Celtics, you know, uh, jerseys or whatnot being worn in in there sometimes by opposing fans. But um, it's very concerning that we just do not look good at all at home where most bad young teams, I don't care how empty it is or how bad the environment is in the building, they get up for, for being good at home. And it that's they're not doing that. We have a better record on the road than at home. And yeah. that's been the case all season. Um, 
and it's gonna just wear really thin. Where you know, when we got the doors blown off us in in you know at home against Boston and Memphis, like that was the first time definitively where back to back games the team just looked dead. Like they 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 were really out of it. They were not they were not feeling it. And thankfully they got that win in Portland on Tuesday because I think that kind of that kind is keeping them afloat because they're they're gonna likely get crushed in Phoenix tonight. They're likely going to get crushed at Denver on Monday. Who knows? Maybe not. Could be like an R.J. Hampton. Well, R.J. Hampton's not playing, so there's no, could be some type of surprise performance there. But um, the Magic, you hopefully, well, if if you're if you're hoping that they tank, uh, maybe you don't hope this. But the Magic are likely going to pick up some more wins here towards the end of the season because the schedule does get easier. Yeah. But then again, all these games are at home, and we've been terrible at home. Who knows? But I I am worried long term and if it gets if it keeps going like this with Mosley where it just it looks like he's more of a cheerleader than a head coach it would not shock me if they pulled the plug on on his tenure this offseason cuz it could it could really do some damage and it could be a repeat then of of the Jacques Vaughn Rob Hennigan era right then and there and you don't want to be in a situation where every year every two years you're going to a different head coach because we saw how that did not work out, and that had impacts on free agency and trades. It did. It had a huge, you know, yeah. when we had Scott Skiles and we tried to turn the, you know, flip the switch on. We're trading Tobias Harris for Bino Odre and, or not Bino Odre for Brandon Jennings and Ersan uh, Ilyasova. Right. You know, we're then, I don't know, Vogel wanted this or if Hennigan wanted it, but you're then trading Oladipo and getting Ibaka back which I liked the trade at the time I did I didn't like including the pick cuz I wanted Sabonis yep but I'm if it was just a, if it was just Ibaka it probably could have worked out if you had a an Ibaka Vooch front court it really it might have actually worked out but when you sign Biombo to the max that just got clogged up and you pushed their best player to the side for a second and pissed them off and thankfully Vooch able was able to actually overcome that but um, that just led to disaster, and it was over from there. It was done. So you're right about you know about just Mo- the the way Mosley's going about it right now. I it's it's not good long term for the team, and we're gonna see. You got any other uh, closing thoughts before we get out of here, Penny? I I just can't believe that the guy has a bell in the practice facility. That's the- <laughs> come on. Maybe they need to just burn it. As a, as a team bonding ceremony or yeah. something. I don't know. Uh, but we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. With that, take care. Let's go magic.